the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third hour. We're just about five minutes after eight o'clock. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler today. Looks like we're going to have a high of 31 degrees with fog throughout the day, although it looks pretty decent out right now. Good to be with you today on News Talk 710 KNUS. You know, it's always fun when you line up guests and unexpectedly you end up with back-to-back Danielle's, which is exactly what's happening this morning. We will have Danielle DiMartino Booth, who is a longtime former employee of the Dallas Federal Reserve. We'll talk with her in the next hour. But this hour, we have Colorado's own Danielle Jurinsky, who is city councilwoman at large in Aurora. And we've got lots to talk about. She joins me now. Good morning, Danielle. How the heck are you? Good morning, Jimmy. I'm great. It's good to have you on. I've been wanting to talk with you ever since Friday's news that was big about this decision in the civil case that you had brought uh, against Robin Nesetta, the now former Arapahoe County Child Protective Services employee who, well, she did the unthinkable and reported you for having, she accused, although anonymously at the time, sexually assaulting your little boy and it was heart-wrenching you've talked about this for for a while now several months about how that was and and how horrible it was putting you through this and you got a three million dollar award she didn't even Nisetta didn't even respond to this case and also Nisetta is facing legal charges first of all congratulations on the civil win um i mean it is horrendous what you've been through and i know everybody here at knus supports you and feels for you i don't know where you want to begin here maybe we can recap the facts of what happened but how are you feeling what's going on through your mind well I feel good, Jimmy. You know, this um, damages award is a step in the right direction. Um, I, of course, will probably never see much, if anything, from Robin Nesteta. But the hope is that this judge sent a very clear message. And what she wrote in her ruling was so thoughtful. Um, and it was it was just so well stated that... I'm just hoping that the judges involved in my civil case against the county and then my criminal case against Robin, um, I'm hoping both of those judges really take heed to this. And I'm hoping that this, uh, you know, $3 million amount um, is so shocking enough that, that it, it sends a message. Now, for those who don't recall or don't know, Robin Nisetta, at the time that she placed this anonymous call into Child Protective Services, accusing you of the unthinkable, 
she her girlfriend was then police chief of Aurora, Vanessa Wilson, who, of course, you uh, were very critical of and rightly so, I would add, at the time. And so this appears to have been appears to have been in retribution for your criticisms of uh, Vanessa Wilson. Just to, to give folks a little bit of background now. The judge in this ruling saying $3 million damages award is given to Danielle Jurinsky said the following in part in this eloquent decision that you were alluding to just a moment ago. The court finds that the conduct was especially egregious since it was done by a person tasked with protecting children and knew full well that her false report would result in an investigation and potential separation of a young, vulnerable child and a parent with unknown potential harm to that child. And the judge further noted that this type of conduct, quote, cannot and should not be tolerated by anybody, Danielle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so thankful to that judge, Judge Elizabeth B.B. Voles. Um, I will be looking for her name on a ballot uh, <laughs> and will be trying to garner support for her. We always talk about vote all judges out, but you know what? Uh, this is pretty eye-opening. Um pretty eye-opening and and so i am thankful and you know i hope to move onwards to the criminal trial and then my civil case with arapahoe county and remember my civil case with arapahoe county involves a whole lot of other people this isn't just about me anymore jimmy and and i've become the voice for so many people so I'm really looking forward to those outcomes. You know, I, I want to talk in just a moment about that civil case against Arapahoe County, but I want to mention one other thing that happened back in the fall of last year. Reading from the Denver Gazette in September, a state audit concluded Robin Nissetta's child protective work for the Arapahoe County Department of Human Services failed to follow state regulations and had deficient investigative practices. The audit recommended further investigation into the county's oversight and supervision of its child protective staff, which does lead into your broader lawsuit. And they note that seven complaints about Nisetta's performance and conduct have been referred for additional criminal investigation, according to the audit summary. So here you have a state audit even saying that at a minimum, she didn't follow Robin Nisetta did not follow state regulations and her investigative practices were deficient. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's really something, you know, and even with that coming out, that report from the state department of human services, even with that report coming out, Jimmy, it has been crickets from the County. Michelle Dossie is still the supervisor. She is still the supervisor, which just blows my mind. Um, you know, and the county is playing all these games. They, you know, continue to file motions to dismiss. In my civil case, it's like the state just concluded all of these errors. I think there was 13, 13 line items of, of missteps and oversights um, with with their processes and also with Robin Nassetta herself. I mean, it, Jimmy, you can't make this up. And until real change happens, I promise you, Jimmy, I promise you, you, me, it doesn't matter who it is. 
you are only one phone call away, one false allegation away from losing your child mm. with this current system, with, with no proof, no proof, and, and, and really no way to, to defend yourself. I, I can't tell you how many people I've met you know, with this class action lawsuit now, how many people have come forward and their children have been taken and then they're pl- placed under a gag order. So they're not even allowed to talk about it. Mm. I, I mean, this, it's sickening. It's sickening. And more people, Jimmy, this is legalized kidnapping in the United States of America. Mm. That's what this is. That's what this is. It is such a weaponized system. You know, two people going through a divorce, uh, you know, a custody battle's involved. One makes an allegation against the other. It's over. Now that other person might end up winning it, $20,000 later in attorney fees and not having seen their child for three to six months while they battle these false allegations. But you are guilty until proven innocent, period, in this system. And, and until there is real change, real systemic change, I'm not going to stop and I'm going to keep beating this drum until others continue to stand alongside me and, mm. and, and the voice gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Danielle Jurinsky, our guest, she is Aurora City Councilwoman at large. And just to clarify you, when you mentioned the number 13, as the Denver Gazette reported back in September, the audit that they did, the state audit, determined that Nesetta had conducted 196 intake assessments or investigations and 73 child permanency cases during her five-year tenure with with the county. Of those, 13 had to be sent to another county for reassessment Mm -hmm. because it could not be determined if the original safety concerns identified by Nasetta had been mitigated. Mm-hmm. Now, that right. is that is striking, and, and I think there's more than enough justification for this broader lawsuit, the federal lawsuit, which is seeking $50 million in damages with the number of families participating. Um, so you've got that, and you've got the criminal proceedings for Robin Nasetta still ahead. But this shows just how important it is to have watchdogs and to have accountability on these of these agencies that have so much power, Danielle, which is why sometimes it does require legal action when the county is failing to hold their own employees to account. And and I do have to say that in Arapahoe County, the five county commissioners are responsible directly for the county. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 you know, they've all taken up positions of defense. Um, naturally, right? So they've just become very defensive. Nothing to see here. Nothing, nothing wrong over here. We're fall. You know, they may, Nancy, uh, Nancy Jackson, uh, put out a statement. She wrote an article to the Gazette one week prior to that state report coming out that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. She wrote an article into the Gazette, um, basically stating, we've done nothing wrong. You know, Nesetta is an isolated incident. Our organization is wonderful. This is being way overblown. Yada, yada. A week later, this report comes down from the State Department of Human Services. Mm. I mean, it, it, they're in total panic mode. They're trying to cover it up. And what are, you, what are they trying to cover up? These are children. Jimmy, to these commissioners, there's nothing to cover up. You need right. to own it. And you need to help me return these children. You need to help me fix the process. Furthermore, help me. You should be trailblazing it and asking me what's what's wrong with the system, having now gone through it. But they're not, Jimmy. They're hiding. They're passing the buck. They're still trying to tell people that there's nothing wrong in their organization. Well, yeah, yeah. 
And as as an, as an Arapahoe County resident, I, I am deeply disappointed, and I'm glad that uh, you and, and others are joining together for accountability through the legal system. We did get a couple of texts. One simple amen, and another horrifying story. Now, I want to amplify this with the response from some different people. So there are Democratic Socialists, others. There are a couple who are on the board, or rather on the city council of Aurora, a couple of colleagues of yours, and they want to amplify their numbers. So there is another Democratic Socialist running to be on the city council who named Chris Rhodes, who tweeted a series of tweets, among them saying the following in regards to your damages award of $3 million that the judge, in a, in a great ruling, a very well-articulated, powerful ruling, said, okay, this needs to go to Danielle Jarinsky from Robin Nesetta. And Chris Rhodes tweeted in part, quote, damages like this are supposed to be based on lost wages or earning potential. It didn't affect either for her. Also, why are we holding social workers to higher standards than politicians? Danielle Jarinsky and many politicians say slanderous things about people with impunity. How how did you take that, given how much you endured and what they tried to do, what she, Robin Nisetta, that is not they, Robin Nisetta, tried to do to you and your, at the time, two-year-old little boy? Well, you left out his best tweet, and, and it was um, paraphrasing something along the lines of, what is wrong with our judicial system when a rich woman yes. is awarded millions of dollars? You know, here's what I will say about all of this, and, and, and my colleague Dustin Zavonik pointed it out perfectly. Um, you know, Chris Rhodes has a lot to learn, especially if, you know, he's running for office now. Um, and if he's going to hold office, he has a lot to learn. There is a big difference, a big difference between like the mudslinging that comes along with politics, you know, mean words, mean words. There's a big difference between mean words and someone misusing and abusing their power of authority to remove a child from a parent. There is a big difference. And I think that Chris Rhodes got a big dose um, of that reality. I will say that he, he did call me um, and it was one of the more humbling apologies I have ever received. Jimmy, I I have to tell you um, in all honesty. And, and I think it really hit him. He admitted mm. that he hadn't read any of the articles, um, and I, I explained to him how this damages award works, and that most likely I will not see a fraction of anything of $3 million from Robin Nesetta. Um, he admitted to all of that. It was very humbling. I got to express to him how passionate this really is, um, how many people are really involved in this, and how deep this goes. And he said something, Jimmy, that really, I think, hit he and I at the same time. He said, Danielle, I just had my first child last May. And I think that's when he ate a big piece of humble pie and realized this could be him, too. You know, this could be him, too. This could be anybody. So I'm I'm very glad you had that conversation and that you're able to share that with us, that there was a, a better turnaround to that story. I guess what what this could be, in a sense, is in many respects an indictment of the way politics is today, that it is so divisive where the first response 
is to say, what's wrong with the judicial system? This this is ridiculous. A rich woman and, um, you know, this doesn't make sense because it's not like that she uh, cost lost any income, so on and so forth. And I, I think that to have that kind of knee jerk reaction just shows where we are at. And then if we can actually have discussions and conversations as real people at a minimum that can help. It may not work out the issues that we have politically. I mean, there's going to be a lot, a lot of daylight between you and the democratic socialists. That's for darn Mm -hmm. sure. But at least if we can agree on common decency in treating people with dignity and respect, that that's a start. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I think it was very eye opening for him. And, and like I say, you know, even with his apology, it's by no means an endorsement uh, at all. I, you know, I told him, I said to him, I said, Chris, I said, I'm sure you and I will have plenty of other things to battle about probably everything that has to do with politics. I said, this issue, first of all, it's nonpartisan. Uh, You know, this issue with human services isn't a Republican issue. This isn't a Democrat issue. It's a nonpartisan issue. And um, it it was when I first read those messages, I was like, wow, I don't know this guy. But, um, you know, and it shows, Jimmy, kind of what you were talking about. It shows, you know, a guy decides to run for office, anybody decides to run, and he thinks that the correct approach is to jump in and immediately start attacking, 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 attacking. I mean, that's where we're at in politics today. That's where we're at. Danielle Jurinsky, our, our guest. I want to read one listener text and then ask you about this uh, on the, and get your response. And then I want to ask you about this um, bill regarding restaurants that we've been talking about. Uh, Jimmy, 30 yeah. years of working in the nursing field. I work for the county and private agencies. I can tell you that keeping children in the system is job security for these people. They do mm-hmm. a lot of things for job security. That is a major, major problem. They need to do a complete gutting of the social services department in human services. Amen. Amen. Mm. Whoever sent that comment in, you are spot on. I am seeing this, Jimmy. I am seeing this come out of Children's Hospital. Uh, I'm seeing this big time come out of Children's Hospital Mm. and the way that they work with social services. This is absolutely job security. It's like we talk about when we talk about the homeless issue, quote issue, right? It's a billion dollar industry. No one wants to. There are people that are committed to not solving homelessness. Because it is a billion-dollar industry, Jimmy, let me tell you, it is the same thing going on in these human services departments, in the foster care system, in all of these, you know, money. I mean, big, big money is handed out. Big money is handed out to, to human services, to the foster care system, to these hospitals. It is it's another billion dollar industry, Jimmy, that people are committed to keeping alive. And this one is at the expense of children, separating children from their parents. It is legalized human trafficking going on in the United States of America, Jimmy. That's what this is. Mm, very strong words from Aurora City Councilwoman at large, Danielle Jurinsky. I want to shift gears because you have been a restaurant owner for some time. You own multiple restaurants in the Denver metro area. And there is this bill that's about to be proposed Uh, about this so-called fair workweek employment standards, which is all about predictability pay being doled out to workers sent home early due to slow business or other unforeseen circumstances. So among the components of the bill, it would require that affected affected employees or... um, 
be told that their work schedule is presented 14 days in advance. Employees would have to be paid a full hour's wage for any time added to a shift and two full hours wages for any time subtracted from a shift. An overtime pay would be mandated for any hours an employee works within 12 hours of the last shift. Those are a few of the key provisions of this. Uh, as a restaurant tour, successful one owner of several restaurants, what's your take on this proposed bill? Well, Jimmy, to, to, to say that I would be that I'm shocked, uh, right? Um, and what's going on in the state? I mean, it just it just proves how out of touch how out of touch um, our, our legislators are. And it just proves, Jimmy, that people are just voting for, for who has the D next to their name. That's it. They're not researching these people. They're not, I mean, I mean this, is, this is literally what's happening. And, and these legislatures, I see it all the time. I hear it. You know, I, remember, I serve with socialists on the Aurora City Council. Right. Um, they, these it always blows my mind when they start talking about minimum wage, when they start talking about, about things like this, and yet some of them don't even have jobs, much less have ever owned a business. I opened my first bar and restaurant at 24 years old, Jimmy, 24 years old, and I've worked and I've worked and I've worked to own multiple. And with this, with this bill, with this bill, listen, and especially in the service industry, this targets the service industry, and I want you to know, and all of your listeners, think back when you were in college, when you were busting tables, when you were waiting tables, when you were bartending, whatever you were doing. Jimmy, I have employees that literally just show up some days. Hey, does anyone want to go home? I want to work. I want to pick up a shift. Does anyone want to go home? I mean, that's a very real thing that happens mm -hmm. in the service industry. Um, so, so, you know, and if it is slow... I, I got, you know, I got, you know, the 21, 22-year-old bartenders, waitresses that are chomping at the bit. Hey, can I be first cut? Can I be cut first? I, I you know, I want to go to this party. I want to go downtown. I want to do this. So, so what, so what, so what does that mean now? That, that now I'm going to have to pay them for an extra hour when they're even asking to be cut early some nights? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, Jimmy, it just, further shows how we have no business people down at the state capitol there's no there's no business people there's no business minds down at the state capitol if this passes jimmy if this passes i'm telling you you this could be the nail in the coffin for the service industry i mean this could be it never mind the fact that we're dealing with the egg shortages Right in the yeah. food business. Oh, expenses galore. I mean, and coming out of the it's pandemic, insane. businesses were yeah. lucky to survive. Your companies were lucky yeah. to get yeah. through it. Uh, now, I do want to ask one one quick question: uh, the the idea of mandating that you put schedules out fourteen days in advance. <laughs> how practical is that in your industry? It's not. It's not. It is not practical at all. It's not because you know how many times I get a phone call. Monday morning, hey, this Friday night, uh, it's my cousin's 50th birthday party. There's going to be 60 of us showing up. Oh, oh, okay. I guess I need additional staff. Oh, but shucks. I already put the schedule out a week ago. So right. I guess my other staff is going to get pummeled. Yeah. Well, you lose out on the business or, or you, I guess you let it come in and, and your other staff just gets pummeled. Right. Or at some point, me, the owner, right? Do I, do I start working a hundred hours a week myself? I have to just start picking everything up because I now have a law that mandates that says 
I can't just call somebody in. I can't just, I, I, I have to put the schedule out too. I mean, it, it, Jimmy, it just, the people in the great state of Colorado have got to open their eyes, have got to open their eyes. Our businesses are being killed. Well, and, and Danielle Jarinsky, just one, one more thing that I know is that when you're, say, a sports bar owner as you are, on Sundays and so forth, like that, you're not someone who's just like, oh, I own my restaurant and I'll just pop in and I'll do my thing, you know, on occasion. You're frequently working yourself and helping out, especially on those very busy days. And so it's not like you or countless other small restaurant owners or rest owners of multiple restaurants or bars or what have you are not doing that exact same thing because they are, especially when you are a yeah. cell phone business. Well, when you talk about sports to me, that is a fantastic point. Let's talk about when it gets into the NBA championships. Let's talk about, let's yes. talk about uh, the Super Bowl, right? I don't know if, you know, the Broncos, well, let's not use the Broncos. <laughs> I don't know if the Avalanche, Right. are going to make it to the Stanley Cup, right, until right. that very last game is played. Yes. Until, until someone, you know, the, the, until someone um, wins to, to go to, I, I don't know, until, what, maybe four or five days, maybe a week tops before that the Avalanche Great are going to go to the Stanley Cup. And, and guess what? If they don't win that night, and my schedule's already out, then I have a whole bunch of people lined up to work and there's not going to be the business for the Stanley Cup. Or I say, well, I, I don't know if the Avalanche are going to win, so I don't schedule a whole bunch of people and we do win and the sports bars are packed. Right. And, I mean, and, it just... and then you're violating the law suddenly because, of, the, because the Avalanche performed well? <laughs> oh, gosh, are we supposed to, by law, request that the Avalanche throw oh. the game so that... <laughs> You guys, I don't know. Yeah. It's ludicrous. Well, Danielle Jaritsky, uh, you've been generous with your time. We really appreciate it this morning. And uh, thanks for your insights on that, as well as the hard work that you are doing and others to expose what's happening with Child Protective Services in this state, because it really is important. Of course. Thank you always, Jimmy. All right. Thank you so much. Again, Aurora City Councilwoman at large, Danielle Jarinsky, joining us on the show. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler. We'll pick up the conversation. What are your thoughts? Give us a call. 303-696-1971. Text in on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone as well. Don't go anywhere. It's Denver's Local Talk Leader News Talk, 710KNUS. Twenty-three minutes before the top of the hour, eight thirty-seven. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler here on News Talk seven ten K N U S. Talking a variety of topics today, including this assault on Colorado's service economy. You heard some very strong words from Danielle Jarinsky, business owner of multiple restaurants. She made a great point. When you're say in the sports bar business, you have no idea how long teams are going to last. I mean, you can definitively say, okay, the Broncos have this schedule for their main season. Unless, say, the pandemic happens, and then they come back, and then they're like, okay, we got to modify these schedules based on, you know, that makes it trickier. But generally speaking, you have the Broncos, you have the Avalanche, you have... The Nuggets, the Mammoth, you name the team. They've got their main schedule. And then if they're in a league that has 
playoffs and a championship game and what have you, Super Bowl, or you have the um, uh, the Stanley Cup or what have you, then when you get to those playoffs, you don't know what's going to happen next. And so something great, especially when you're talking hockey, for example, spur of the moment, you could be like, okay, I need to be ready in a couple of days. But you needed to have a schedule in advance, 14 days, because of the rule like this or because of a law that could get passed? Are you, If you're listening, are you a manager of a restaurant? Have you been a manager of a restaurant? Are you a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant? A server, busser, chef. From your experience, is this practical? Is this a, a viable thing, or is this, as Jarinsky suggested, the potential end of the service industry in Colorado? Will it be a death nail for more businesses? Is it utterly impractical, or is it viable? Based on your experience, even as a patron of restaurants. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971. The implications from your perspective and your own background and experience. We welcome that. 303-696-1971. Listener text. This bill will be the end of the tipped employees and then people will be complaining about the service they won't be receiving. Bad for restaurants and customers. Be careful what you ask for. Yes, indeed. I mean, this is one of the important things that gets lost whenever government comes in and says, well, we know what's best and we want to have this new regulation and require that these businesses in this industry comply with X, Y, and Z. Because it doesn't take into account the potential consequences of what you're doing. It may be well-intentioned. I'm not going to question the intentions of those who are putting this forward. But as well-intentioned as it could be, what about the negative implications of this? What about the potential negatives? This is where, and I... I think it's it's not spoken about enough. I tried to bring it up. This idea of the seen and the unseen goes back to philosopher economist Frederick Bastiat, who was French, and uh, back in the mid-1800s. And he talked about the seen and the unseen. The seen is, okay, you have something that takes place. So, for example, uh, a window to one of these restaurants is busted by a vandal. Often has happened with the crime that we've seen, etc. And then you have to replace that window. And let's imagine a scenario where there's not insurance. In that case, insurance would be enough probably for a window, but maybe not. So this is a scenario where you have to pay out of pocket in your business to repair the window that the vandal busted up. Well, you might say the guy who's coming in to put the new window on He's benefiting. That's a good thing. Okay. The glassmaker benefiting from making the window. That's a good thing. But what was the business owner, the restaurant owner, going to do with the money that he or she now has to spend on putting the window, a new window up? Maybe they were going to be able to add extra shifts. Maybe they were going to bring on a new employee or get a new 
computer system or they had a new uh, menu item they were going to add in, but now they got to wait just a little bit longer because it's a little too expensive in that. That's the unseen. You see what the glass maker and the 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 window repairman are getting, but you don't see what wasn't, what that money didn't go towards, that it was going to go towards. And the government can never really predict that. And it's exactly the kind of thing that we're seeing here. Oh, well, we want this to be addressed in this way. But what about the negative consequences? We have a numbers problem, text coming in. The only way we can win is with an overwhelming Republican turnout in voting, which isn't likely. That's true. But at the same time, business owners are Democrats, too. Restaurant owners are Democrats, too. Restaurant patrons are Democrats, too, and they can feel and see the pinch. So it's a matter of everybody speaking up and speaking out about this. And that's exactly what needs to be done. Now, listeners were asking before who is responsible for putting this bill forward, uh, and that is Denver Democratic Representative Emily Sirota, which makes perfect sense because she is far to the left. Emily Sirota is behind this monstrous bill. She needs to pull this bill. She is a Denver Democrat. What's your experience? In the restaurant business, your manager and employee, feel free to call in 303-696-1971 to share your thoughts. Coming up at the top of the hour, we will talk about what might come up from the Federal Reserve. Yeah, a little bit of economics talk, but a great way to understand it is when you talk with a pro like Danielle DiMartino Booth, who will be joining us, former Fed official. She worked nine years at the... Dallas Federal Reserve, and is author of a book called Fed Up. She's on Fox Business frequently talking about economic issues as well as many other places. And we'll get her expert insights coming up at the top of the hour. Lots to go on the show in the upcoming hour plus. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler. You're listening to News Talk 710 KNUS Denver's local talk leader. Good morning. Jimmy Sangenberger back with you. Filling in for George Brockler this morning. News Talk 710 KNUS. Of course, I host the Jimmy Sangenberger Show every Saturday morning from 6 to 9. And I'll be in for Stefan Tubbs tomorrow afternoon from 4 until 7. Here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 K-N-U-S. Good to be with you as always. You know, I wanted to make a comment, go back to earlier in the hour with Danielle Jarinsky, Aurora City Councilwoman at large, who, as we talked with her about, she has now been given a damages award of $3 million 
in her lawsuit against Robin Nissetta. She acknowledges the likelihood of getting much of anything back in that $3 million award is slim to none. But at the very least, it says a very important message. Nissetta weaponized her position at Child Protective Services to go after Jarinsky, falsely accusing Danielle of having, in graphic terms, sexually assaulted her child. And, I mean, it, it's absolutely heart-wrenching, horrifying what happened. <clears throat> and, and when you have something like this, take place, you have to push back. You have to take it to court. Thankfully, there will be legal there. There's a criminal proceeding that's going on. But that message needs to be sent. And I'm glad that this happened. I mean, weaponizing a program like Child Protective Services is patently unacceptable, especially as retribution for, say, criticisms of your girlfriend. Nuseta's girlfriend at the time was then police chief of Aurora, Vanessa Wilson. And Danielle Jarinsky had strongly criticized publicly, including on this station, Wilson. Thought that Wilson needed to go. Was very open about that, and eventually Wilson was fired. Now, and rightly so, by the way. But this is crucial. It is unacceptable. And I'm disappointed as a Arapahoe County resident to see how ham-handedly, how slow, how inattentively Arapahoe County has been on this, including the commissioners. Deeply, deeply concerning. Listener text, Jimmy, how does one go about collecting on such a huge judgment? You know, it really depends on circumstances. You won't be able to get that $3 million. Danielle will probably get a fraction, a small, tiny fraction of that amount. But it would come in, potentially could come in through wage garnishment or other means. But that large sum ain't going to happen. She even acknowledged that in our interview. But that's not really the point. The point is the message that you're sending. And that $3 million in damages will be following Robin Nissetta for many years to come, the rest of her life, undoubtedly. But a message still needs to be sent. Now there's a federal lawsuit, $50 million, multiple families, not just Danielle Jarinsky, going after Arapahoe County Child Protective Services. And who knows how many other counties we are seeing this happen in, where CPS is being weaponized to take children away from their loving families. And it's disgraceful. It really is. And something needs to be done about it. And that's exactly what we are now seeing happen here. And it's good to see that. Because something has to be done and and you need to, to have folks speak out about it. Now, one more thing on the restaurant topic that we have been speaking about a lot. I mean, it's been a hot button, and rightly so. Emily Sirota, again, is the sponsor, Democrat from Denver, is behind this bill, the author of it. 
I really think that this shows how inconsiderate government often is. That they aren't considering what the repercussions are and even caring about that when you know what that will be. And that, to me, underscores why these people are a mess, why they're problematic, why we need less government. Listener text, concerning a bill to extract more waitstaff salary from the restaurants, it goes along with the liberal effort to raise the salaries of lower-paying service jobs. They feel every person should be guaranteed a living wage regardless of the work or the skill level. Absolutely. It's the same thinking as constantly trying to raise the minimum wage. It's a form of socialism where everybody gets what government considers a fair amount of money to live on. We need to reiterate, if you want a higher paying career, you have to intentionally pursue pursue one and do some future planning. Restaurant jobs were only meant to be temporary for some people, such as students or theater performers or people that don't need a high salary Need part-time or variable hours? Yes, and also no, especially when you get into the fine dining, higher-end restaurants. You can have a lot of career people, especially in management or restaurant owners or what have you, Um, but managers, different kinds of positions. You can have wait staff that are at a restaurant for 10, 20 years, and they're, they're providing, or 30 years, and they're providing for their family off of that. So I will acknowledge that however when it comes to servers so forth like yes that is especially in the fast food industry or say you're going to like a red robin or a chili's or something that tends to be a place where the people who are working there are younger people who are getting their first exposure to working and you have to keep that in mind and in perspective we're going to keep on the business and economic side of things what in the world is the federal reserve looking at with this impending meeting, what could that mean for you and your bottom line when it comes to taking out loans, for example? We'll talk about interest rates, the Fed, and more with Danielle DiMartino Booth, a former Fed insider. Keep it right here, 710K in U.S. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.